Day-to-day decisions are easy, but life-changing choices are tough. There are times we struggle, calculating and recalculating which direction to go. We try to map out our lives. Who should I marry? What job should I take? What's my purpose? We start wishing there was a GPS for life. But God doesn't want us wandering. He wants to guide you through the different turns of life. He knows you better than you know yourself. And He has uniquely designed a route for you. Divine Direction. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you to uh, 2018 in the Liquid Church. My name is Tim. I have the uh, privilege of serving as a senior pastor uh, at Liquid. We are actually one church that meets in multiple locations across New Jersey. So that means right now we have a lot of people who are watching via the magic of video. Would you welcome all our campuses? We're glad you guys are with us today. We are uh, kicking off January with a new series called Divine Direction to really tackle the number one question I get as a pastor which is, is that your real hair? That's the, uh, not really, uh, the number one question I always get, people say, Tim, uh, what is God's will for my life? Uh, like, what's the purpose uh, that I'm here for? Don't you wish you, like, had clear directions for what God put you on this planet to do? Wouldn't it be awesome if there was, like, an app or, like, a GPS, like, you could kind of, you know, all the big decisions we face in life. For instance, like, you know, you just go, uh, you know, Siri, where should I live? You know, do I stay in New Jersey where there's high taxes or do I move to Florida? You know, it's warmer there, less taxes. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Alexa, what, what school should I attend? Uh, do I go to, you know, a local college or do I go to the big university kind of thing? Uh, you know, who, who, who should I date this year in 2018? Uh, you know, it's the girl in the third row behind you. So turn around right now. No, that's not true. That's a, who, should, you know, who should I marry if we're, if we're dating? Should we move to marriage? Or is this the year we start a family? Uh, a lot of people facing career decisions in 2018, you know. Um, do I take the job that, you know, pays the bills or do I follow my passion? You know, it doesn't pay as well and the, and the road isn't guaranteed, but, but what do I do? We face all of these big kind of decisions and divine direction is really about discernment. It's about discerning God's will in all these key areas of your life. And so what I wanted to do this January, I was like, we're all going to face over the next 12 months key decisions that you have no idea right now is going to impact the direction of your life for years to come. And nobody wants to go in the wrong direction, right? Uh, this past summer, our family took a road trip to the Wild West. Uh, we did that classic kind of, we headed out, there's my wife Colleen, my daughter Chase, my son Dell, and uh, we're in Sedona there, Arizona. And we rented an RV. It's actually called a Mini Winnie because it's a Mini Winnebago. So we spent two weeks kind of driving across Red Rock Country. We hiked the Grand Canyon. Uh, we drove through the desert. I think we have a picture there. Uh, the Southwest is just gorgeous country, you know? I, that's where I would live. Like my spirit animal is an iguana, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, and we drove this RV uh, thousands of miles. And it was a stretch for our family because I am what my wife calls directionally challenged. Anybody else here? Okay, that way. Uh, very fortunately, there is an app for that. It's called Google Maps. And, uh, and Google Maps was really our saving grace on the trip because what we did is we plotted out our points in advance. We say, oh, we want to go here. Here's the mileage. And then we're going to take a rest stop here. We're going to go overnight here. And my kids wanted to uh, visit Slide Rock 
Park. Have you ever seen this? It's incredible. It's a natural water slide formed by the red rocks in Oak Creek Canyon, Arizona. 100% natural. You just kind of jump in and slide down these red rocks. And so it's about seven miles north of Sedona, and they really wanted to go. So, you know, I was like, you know, Siri, slide rock, slide rock state park directions. And I was shocked because it brings up the Google Maps it has here, or Apple Maps, whatever it was, and it said an hour and two minutes. And I was like, that's ridiculous. It's just a few miles away. It shouldn't take that long. And so we, we started driving, and something strange has happened. As we got closer, this road that you're looking at started twisting and turning, and this map morphed into this spawn of Satan, okay? <laughs> T- take a look at this. It's like a twisted intestine, right? You know, it's like coiled like a serpent ready to strike. And, uh, and we're driving, and I'm like, you know, and most of this was downhill. So I am now white-knuckling RRV. My wife is getting all Pentecostal. She's like praying, you know, and everything. <laughs> And we're you know, swinging back and forth with every twist and turn down the hill. And I hear this scream from the back of the RV. My daughter Chase just goes, Daddy! You know? It turns out she was in the bathroom in the back of the truck. And so with every turn I made, she's like slamming into the wall, you know, of the bathroom back and forth. And she's like, Daddy! So I hit the brakes and she goes, wham! And she hits, you know, the front there. And uh, back and forth, back and forth on Route 89 a South. If you want to write that down, avoid this if you're in Arizona. <laughs> we finally reached Slide Rock State Park, only discover, sorry folks, park's closed. Uh, yeah, I felt like Clark Griswold, you know, <laughs> kind of wah-wah. Big super bummer. We made up for it. We did get to uh, Southern California, but my wife drove the rest of the way. Uh, the truth is, right, we have the best laid plans, and we can, we can plot out all the places we want to go and be in our life by a specific time. But do you know what God's Word says? The Bible has a book of wisdom. It's called Proverbs. And Proverbs 16.9 says this. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines what? Our steps. Yeah. And this is kind of our theme verse for this series. We printed this in your notes today. There's notes in your program. I want you to click a pen and follow along because I think God's word is going to speak to you today. And he's going to have something specific for you to start this year. But I chose this as our theme scripture Because while I was studying this, I noticed that God's word is drawing a contrast here between plans and steps. In other words, we can make our plans. There's such a thing as human plans. But there's also the Lord determines our steps. What's the difference? Well, if you circle the word plans, you'll notice something. Plans typically have to do with dates, times, destinations, right? Very specific. We say, well, you know what? We're going to fly to Boston On the 11th, we're going to get there at 1230, you know, or you're going to be like, oh, forget Boston, too cold. We're flying to Florida, right? We're going to Boca Raton, whatever. People make all sorts of deadlines for different stages in life. They say, well, you know, I want to I want to get married by the time I'm, you know, 28 and hopefully we'll start a family by the age of of 30. Or they set a goal. They say, my goal is to graduate this fall. And that in two years, I want to get my grad, I want to complete grad school by 2020, okay? I'm going to, uh, my career goes, I'm going to make my first million, you know, by the age of 40. And then I'll retire at the age of 50. And then I'll go to Florida, you know, whatever your thing is. In other words, you got a whole book in front of you with blank pages in it for 2018. And as you think about the story that you want to write in the journey of your life, we all tend to make plans. Now, there's nothing wrong with planning. Planning has its place. It's actually good to think about the future, you know, and the direction that you go in. But scripture offers this warning. You can make your plans, (laughs) 
but who? The Lord determines your steps. Notice that steps are smaller than plans. You can only take steps one at a time, right? Like one step, two step, three step. And generally, they don't lead to like a specific destination. Rather, steps kind of go in a general direction. And this is an important distinction. Recall this series, Divine Direction, not Destination, because when you're truly following God, you never really arrive from his perspective. In fact, I think a lot of people make a mistake in the new year and think, you know what, there's all these decisions I got to make in life, relationships, work, school, you know, family, career. I better set a deadline because God forbid, if I make the wrong choice, I'll miss God's will for my life. And it creates all this like stress and anxiety and agita. But I think God's word is actually telling us something counter-cultural. That is, instead of creating like elaborate goals, like here's where I'll be in 10, 15 years, God's saying, you know what? It's much better for you to take smaller steps of obedience one day at a time, day after day, that over time will lead in the direction that I will for your life. Because the truth is God does big things through small steps, amen? That's our big idea today. God does big things through small steps. Now, here's the deal. You're going to see in your notes. I'm going to land on this idea at the end of today's message, but I want to give it to you in advance so that you can be thinking because we're going to open up God's word today. And as I want you to be thinking about what's the small step that God may be nudging you to take that will have a big impact far beyond 2018. I'm calling today's message step by step because I think it will show you how to discern God's will through all the twists and turns that your life might take. Because the truth is, life rarely goes down, you know, just the path that we plan or, or in the timetable we think we'll get there. There's a perfect picture of this in Acts chapter 16. So if you want to open your Bible or flip there in your phone, I've got a Bible app on my phone, so it's never rude if you want to turn your phone on in church. I won't be like calling you out like, are you texting? You can open your Bible app there. We also printed a scripture in your notes, and here's, here's what you need to know. The book of Acts is all about the acts or actions that the followers of Jesus took after he left them. In other words, after Jesus in the Gospels, he dies on the cross for the sins of the world. He's raised from the dead by the power of God. He returns to his Father in heaven. That's where Jesus is now. God the Son is with God the Father in heaven, and he is your Father through faith in Jesus Christ. But Jesus told his followers, he said, no, no, don't worry, guys. Even though I'm like physically leaving, I'm not going to leave you alone to like wander around on earth and get lost. I'm actually going to give you guys a divine GPS. It's called the Holy Spirit. And it's my spirit that's going to indwell you with power. And the Holy Spirit is going to point you in the divine direction I want your life to take. The spirit will remind you of everything that I have said. And if you listen closely, you're going to hear the spirit talking, leading, guiding, say, go here, don't go there. He's going to guide you step by step in the direction for your life. And that's what Acts is all about. It's a cool book. It's really the adventures of the early Christians following the Holy Spirit to the ends of the earth. See, Christianity didn't start out big. Christianity was just a small little local religion at the time in Jerusalem, but it spread to the surrounding region known as Judea, Samaria, and then eventually ends of the earth. That was their charge to the disciples. Take it to the ends of the earth. Problem is the apostles, they didn't have a, a map. They didn't have an app for that. <laughs> they had to rely on the Holy Spirit, giving them directions and directing their decision-making. And here's the good news. We believe the Spirit of Jesus still speaks today, amen? We believe that at Liquid. God actually has words of wisdom and direction for men and women who follow him and are submitted to his will. But you have to be humble. 
You, you have to be open to a course correction and surrender to God's will for him to direct you step by step. So I want to do this. I want to read Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10, and see what we can learn from the life of a man named Paul. But first, let me pray. Father, Holy Spirit, I ask you now, open up this word with fire. Father God, I pray it would be like a diamond laser cutting to the hearts of men and women who are here because you have a word for them. God, there's so many of us facing decisions that we don't understand the impact will ripple out far beyond our lifetime. And so, Lord, we believe you want to speak, and we invite your Holy Spirit to speak. Father, I pray that I could get out of the way. Anything that comes out of me, Father, let that just kind of fall to the ground. But, Lord, where you're speaking, let it shimmer like a diamond, Father God, and let us have a heart to respond to your word. It's in your name and power we pray, Jesus. Amen. Okay, this is about a story about a guy named Paul. This is the famous Apostle Paul. And he went on these multiple missionary journeys or kind of road trips to spread the good news of Jesus or the gospel around the Mediterranean. And here in this chapter, here's the deal. Paul's on his second missionary journey. He's with two of his buddies, a guy named Silas and a guy named Timothy. And they are in a Winnebago, okay? They're in a mini Winnie, all right? Just not, not really, but just imagine this. Here's what verse six says as they start out. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. Well, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, there's a lot of geography in this, right? There's all these kind of places and cities on this road trip. So let me just kind of, I don't throw a lot of maps at you, but I want you to see one map today. This is what the ancient world looked like at the time of Paul. And you can see I dropped uh, three map points in here. You've got one over here in Antioch, one in Asia, one over here in Macedonia. That's the ancient world. You guys know what these countries are today? Okay, this would be Syria. This is modern-day Turkey, and this is Greece. So, like, if you go on a cruise ship to Greece, this is kind of where, where you're going. And Paul's plan was to go west and, and, and visit all the churches that he had planted in Asia Minor and in Galatia. So he had plans. Paul had plans. I'm going to take the gospel to unchurched regions. So verse 6 says, Paul and his companions, they traveled throughout the region to Phrygia and Galatia. That's, that was up top north. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of where? Of Asia. In other words, as they start their road trip west, they, they plan to travel down into Asia Minor. But something funny happened. The Holy Spirit closed the door on them. We don't know how. The Holy Spirit kept them from doing it. Maybe it was a, a, a dream or a vision or, or while they were praying. Maybe it was circumstances. Maybe it was bad weather. Maybe it was just a strong inner conviction. I don't think we're supposed to go there. But somehow, Paul's GPS was set for Asia or Turkey. And the door slammed shut in their face. Bang, closed door. Anybody here ever have a door closed in their face? Okay, thinking back to 2017. Anybody have a slam door? Okay where it seemed like God was leading you in a specific direction at a key moment, and like, oh, we're definitely going here, and all of a sudden, bam, like the, the door slammed shut without explanation. Like, 
You know, maybe you were in a, a job search and you thought you like, you went through the interviews, you thought, I've got the inside track for this job. This is definitely the position. God, thank you so much. Or this is the new role I'm gonna take. It's gonna match my gifts. or I'm gonna make more money. And you know, you're like, okay, yeah. And you tell your friends even, you're like, oh yeah, I went to a second interview, third interview, totally. We're to but then you don't hear anything like radio silence. You know, the recruiter doesn't call you back or HR and you're kind of like, hey, send a friendly email, poke, poke. Hey, remember me? And they don't get back to you like, this is not good. <laughs> And then you get a voicemail. They don't even have the courtesy, you know, to say it, to, to talk to you in person. They get a voicemail, that, you know, says, hey, thank you so much for uh, interviewing. You have a lot of great talents, but we're going in another direction. I, I want to thank you so much. Good luck to you, sir. And you're like, what? Slam. Closed door. Or maybe you were in a, a relationship, you know, that, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, it went from flirting, you know, in your small group to, like, dating, and now, you know, and then I praise God, oh, you got engaged, you know, we're engaged. And, and you're engaged in this last, you know, months, you've been planning your wedding and everything. And suddenly there's a phone call. This happens. There's a phone call that like, hey, I'm just so sorry. I can't marry you. What? Yeah, it's not you. It's me. Oh, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I think we need time apart. What? Slam door. Why do closed doors hurt us so much? You know why? Because it feels like rejection. But is it possible it's not rejection, but redirection from God's perspective? See, closed doors are very hard to handle because they disappoint us. I remember in my own life, graduating from college, and I had a plan. I made plans to actually move to California. I was an English major, but a film studies minor, and I was going to move to Hollywood to work in the film industry. Uh, and, you know, honestly, the, uh, my senior year, I had an internship in a Hollywood studio in the screenwriting department, and I met Wes Craven. You guys know Wes Craven? He directed Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm not a horror film guy, but he went to the school I went to as an undergraduate, so I reached out to him. He said, oh, I'll have lunch with you. And, uh, and I was convinced. I was like, I'm definitely going to go to California after I graduate. And he said, well, that's great. You can be a production assistant and uh, just move out here, get an apartment. Well, I'm, you know, trying to get an apartment from New Jersey, and it was very, very hard, and then I couldn't get a car and all this. Bottom line, deadline after deadline, I just kept missing. Closed door, closed door, closed door. And I ended up staying in New Jersey in my parents' basement right? Wah, wah. Literally, I, f I was like depressed for like a year because it felt like great rejection. Now, I look back on that in retrospect, right? You know, 25 years later, I thank God I stayed in New Jersey. I probably wouldn't have married my wife. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be your pastor today, but it didn't feel that way at the time, did it? At the time, that closed door felt like a rejection, but the truth is, in God's economy, not all closed doors are negative, if you're a child of God, listen to me, if you're a child of God, you're a Christian, you may feel rejected, but from God's perspective, you're being redirected to something better. Principle number one, if you're taking notes, if you're trying to discern God's will for your life, understand, no is not negative. When God says no, or closes a door, or it can feel disappointing, what you think is rejection can very well be his redirection. It's the Holy Spirit actually rerouting your life because he has something better in mind. So yes, the Holy Spirit guides us to the right places, who to marry, where to work, but he also guides us away from the wrong places, which is equally important in seeking God's will. No is not necessarily negative. Now, we tend to see it that way, right? I mean, whenever God says no to you, right, the job you wanted doesn't come through, you don't get into the school of your first picking, a relationship ends, or a healing, you know, you've been praying for, it doesn't come and you have to have the surgery. A lot of Christians feel confused like, oh man, my prayer didn't really work. 
But if you're sensitive to God's spirit, you will be able to look back and see how God in his mercy sometimes closes doors because he has something better in mind for your life. So let me ask you this to start the year. How many of you are facing a no or a not now in your life to start 2018? Understand when God says no, it can be a very positive answer. It can be your Heavenly Father narrowing down your choices because he has a better yes in mind for you down the road. I guarantee you Paul had doubts. I'm sure Paul was frustrated. I mean, look at his map. Paul had plans to go right here down to Asia, but he was kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of God. In other words, slam door shut right here. So he actually has to head north, watch this, only to have a second door slammed in his face. Look at verse seven. When they came to the border of Mycia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but who? The Spirit of Jesus, louder, the Spirit of would not allow them to. You know, my my kids would say, they'd be like, rejected. (laughs) Thanks for playing, Paul. (laughs) Closed door number two, incredibly. This is the most, guys, this is the Apostle Paul. This is like the most Holy Spirit-filled believer in the New Testament. And the door gets shut in his face twice. Must have been frustrating. I mean, I'm guessing Paul's like looking at it, you know, his geo tracker, you know, he's like, this app sucks, you know? The Bible says he's trying to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow him to. So it wasn't actually Google's fault, was it? (laughs) The Holy Spirit slammed the door twice in Paul's face. Now, let's be honest. We don't like that. Most of us get upset when our plans are thwarted. And as Americans... (laughs) We don't take no for an answer, correct? (laughs) Right? We're Americans. We're Americans. We're taught if the door slams shut, you need to huff and puff and blow your house down. You better push through it, otherwise you'll be living in a van down by the river. Right? (laughs) Don't take no for an answer. (laughs) Right? Ask her out again, you know, stalk her on social media, you know, just (laughs) call the recruiter an eighth, ninth time, just pester him, you know, into the job. And that's okay, I understand that perseverance has its place. But the truth of God is this, sometimes if God shuts a door, you need to stop banging on it and trust whatever behind it isn't meant for you, that your father in heaven has something better in mind down the road. You know, I was talking with this with some of our staff about it this week, and I said, hey guys, did any of you ever have a door slammed in your face? And I was like, yes. I was like, but a door that like was discouraging at the time, but looking back, you see God's like mercy and his love that he was directing your steps. Everybody had a story. One of our female staff members said, uh, she goes, you know, Tim, out in high school, I was like in love uh, with this young man, thought that, uh, you know, for sure we're gonna get married. And in fact, we got engaged. She said, but some of my family, aka my parents, had concerns, (laughs) and they raised some flags. It wasn't that, he goes, we weren't compatible, we totally got along with the same interests, but there was like a character question, like about integrity, and like, and she goes, and I hated it at the time, I couldn't believe it, but push came to shove. Bottom line is, we broke off the engagement. She goes, I was heartbroken. She goes, for 12 months, I was, I couldn't eat, I was like clinically depressed, and she goes, I thought that was the death of my dream. She said, but looking back, she goes, this was, you know, over 15 years ago. She goes, looking back, 
Not only were my parents right, it would have been a disaster. And she said, my husband today is so much better for me. It's like God handpicked him. But that was really tough to swallow at the time. Sometimes if God shuts a door, the most holy thing you can do is to stop banging on it and trust that whatever is behind it isn't meant for you and that your daddy, your, your Abba in heaven has something infinitely better in mind that you can't even visualize. So many of our staff had a story of a no that seemed negative in the moment but became a yes to God's dream for their life in a way that they couldn't have predicted. You guys know Clint Taylor? He's our worship director at Liquid. Can we hear it for Clint and all of our worship teams? They do an awesome job leading us each Sunday, right? Okay, so you guys know Clint, extraordinarily gifted young man, right? Incredible musician, vocalist, super, huge heart for God, right? And, and you look at Clint and you think, well, of course he's a worship leader. He's a natural. <laughs> well, Clint told me, Tim, I had zero plans. I had no plans to ever lead worship in my life. I said, tell me about that. He said, well, I studied music in college and my goal was to be a studio musician. I was just a guitarist, I'd never sung. And my goal was to be a session musician in the studio behind the scenes working on tracks. That was my plan. And so after graduation, I made all these contacts and I was told, you gotta move to New York, LA, or Nashville and you'll be just fine. And here's what he wrote, he said this. In my final semester, I felt God nudging me, saying that my plans may not have been his. And I didn't have peace about moving to any of those cities or pursuing such a career in music. So I moved home and got a job at Staples Copy and Print Center. This was like a living hell. It sucked the life out of me. <laughs> well, one thing led to another, and I moved up to DC for a part-time role as an audio engineer at a church. Then through my friend Jason, I became a worship leader at the Liquid Mountainside campus. The hilarious part was that I had never sung in front of an audience before and was fairly confident I couldn't do it. Fast forward four years, and I am leading the department as worship director. I laugh when I think about it. Now listen to this. God has plans that will truly shock and awe you. Never would I have dreamed he would give me the opportunity he has, and it was only by following who? His spirit. Isn't that amazing? I look at that's amazing. I'm like, you know, praise God, Clint had a sucky experience at Staples, right? You know? <laughs> it's just... Kidding, I, but you know, I, I, it's amazing to me to look back how, how God directed Clint's steps to the role he plays and now blesses thousands of people with his gifts. What's the truth? We can make our plans, but let's read it together. But the Lord determines our steps. And this is so important, guys. I mean, it's incredible to me, you guys don't know this, Clint has the distinction of being the youngest worship director at a multi-site megachurch in the country. That was not his goal. That was not his ambition. But in his words, it was only by following the Holy Spirit. Which leads us to the third truth of discerning God's will for your life. You have to focus on the who before the do. In other words, before you decide what to do, you need to know who you're following. Clint said, I only got, this is my career, I only got here by following the Holy Spirit. He led me through staples. I wasn't choosing that. But this is what you see all throughout scripture with people that God uses powerfully. Look at what happens with Paul. It says, when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. In other words, Paul and his companions put the person of Jesus before the place that he led them. They weren't focused just on like the do, like where are we gonna go? 
And what are we going to do? They were obsessed with following the who. You know what? Wherever the Lord leads, that's where I want to go. And that's hard, isn't it? Because again, we're Americans. We love action. (laughs) We want dates. I want dates. I want time. (laughs) I want details. But instead of obsessing about the where to go or the what to do, they focus on who to follow. And they said in their heart, you know, as long as Jesus is leading me, he'll close doors and I'm just going to walk through the open ones. And that's better anyway. You know why? Because my sight is limited. (laughs) My vision is, every single one of our, our vision is limited. We have blinders on. We can only see what's in front of us and maybe a few steps ahead of that. That's what we can see. And Paul's like, uh, Mycenae, it's like, no. <laughs> Bithynia, no, closed door number two. And that's okay. He said, because when you're following the spirit of Jesus as your true north, guess what? The places can change because the person stays the same, thank God, amen? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So no isn't negative if you focus on the who before the do. It's basically an attitude that says, you know what, Jesus, first of all, before I take a step, I'm going with you. And as, you, as long as you are leading, I know I'm gonna get wherever I'm supposed to be in the timetable I'm supposed to be there. But notice something that requires a spirit of trust, doesn't it? <laughs> That's a humble attitude. That's actually opening and saying, God, I have my plans, but your steps are better. So I surrender my will God, let it be your will, not mine be done. Jesus, you come first, and Father knows best. Now, that sounds super spiritual. What does that have to do with your life? (laughs) Well, see, all these practical areas, you can ask these questions, but you got to change it a little bit. Because you may ask, well, so Lord, how's that work in my relationship? Should I date him or her or not? And God says, you know what? I don't really care who you date as long as she's more committed to Christ than to you. I don't care if you date him as long as he's following Jesus and more interested in following Jesus than to you. In other words, I even meet people who go to college who are like, well, I'm going to that school because my boyfriend's going there. Are you following Jesus or are you following your boo? (laughs) You got to choose the who before the do. I just made that up. That's good. You got to write that down, man. That's like, (laughs) that's all in the flow now, man. Come on. Should, should, should I stay here, you know, or move? Because I, I do see people moving, you know what, or maybe follow a job down south, whatever. Guess what? It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you serve Jesus wherever you are. Use your gifts right there. Should I, you know, I go to college. Should I major in business or, or elementary education? I don't want to make a mistake. Well, here's a question. What will bring God the most glory and use your gifts in his kingdom to serve others? See, wherever you go to school, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what you major in. And please don't make the decision on the stupid small stuff. I just hear that all the time, like, well, I'm weighing choices, but they've got an awesome football team, right? Or I went there for a weekend, and the food was sick in the dining hall. You know, like, are you, you're going to literally make that decision, or I'm going to follow Boo there, right? We make these flipping kind of decisions. Not e- not even, I'm not even saying, like, think of an elevator. Well, you know, what degree will make the most money? Rather, what will bring God the most glory and use my gifts to serve Jesus? That's a totally different paradigm. Do you get the point? Instead of saying, hey, where do I go in the future? Ask Jesus, who do you want me to become right now in the present? Who do you want me to become? What decision can I make right now that will help me become most like Jesus? Because that's God's will for your life. 
The Bible doesn't get specific about a lot of things, but it gets very specific about the ultimate will of God for every Christian. You know what it is? It's to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And the point is, step by step, as you follow the spirit of Jesus, you actually become more like him. What's God's will? Where does he want me to go? What's he want me to do? God's will says you focus on the who always before the do. And Paul and his companions do this. They say, you know what? We made our plans, <laughs> but the Spirit is determining our steps. So we're going to follow the Spirit of Jesus. Look at the map. Here's where it ends. Paul's first step to Asia, slam door. Second step to Bithynia, closed door. But instead of questioning God or, or kind of, you know, let's just plow through, right? <laughs> Paul says, all right, God, I see what you're doing. You are narrowing my choices. No is not negative. In fact, you're giving me very clear direction. And verse 8 says this. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. Circle that phrase, passed by. Some of the most important decisions you'll make in 2018 are when you need to know when to pass up opportunities that seem convenient to actually follow the Spirit who's ordering your steps. And so Paul, they go down to Troas. Let me show you where Troas is. It's right here. It's on the coast. It's a seaport city. So basically, they're just like, slam door, slam door, slam door, and then they walk right up, and it's like, okay, well, here's the water. <laughs> we're on the beach. The Spirit's leading us. We don't know exactly where or when we're going to get there, but we're going to put the person of Jesus ahead of the place he leads us. And there on the coast of the Aegean Sea, the Apostle Paul receives a call. He receives a phone call from God, <laughs> a telephone call that would change history and is the reason you're sitting here today. It transformed the global face of Christianity. Here's what it says, verse nine says, during the night Paul had a what, a, of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So God gives Paul divine vision that finally reveals where he's supposed to be. He has a vision of a man of Macedonia. Now where is Macedonia? It's right over here in the West. This is modern-day Greece. That's what's known as Macedonia. In the modern world, in modern world, this is Greece. In the ancient world, it was the gateway to Europe. A whole new continent that had never heard the name Jesus. See, up to this point in history, the gospel, this good news of salvation through Jesus Christ had been limited only to here, only in Asia. But scholars agree. Paul's call to Macedonia actually lit the match. And that's when Christianity spread like wildfire into Europe in the Western world. You understand what that means? The only reason you and I are sitting here today is because Paul took two no's from God before he got a yes. And he put the who of Jesus before the do of his work. And instead of his life having a limited local impact, God spread the gospel to Europe and North America and eventually New Jersey. Can we hear it for Paul? Great job, Paul. What's the point? Your God does extraordinarily big things through small steps of obedience. The global future of Christianity was changed forever by one small step of obedience here in Acts 16. Verse 10 says this, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready, how quickly? At once, to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul downloads this divine vision and he immediately obeys. And you may be like, oh man, I love it, Paul got a vision. Does God still do that today? How does God speak to believers today? 
Well, there are a lot of ways that he speaks. The number one way that God speaks today is through his word. If you want to know God's will, you need to read God's word. So read your Bible every day. Maybe you're like, you know, I'm going to read the Bible every day in 2018. Awesome goal. We're going to do a 40-day fast with, with, with journal entries and devotionals in February. So, so we have a reading plan for you that's coming up. But I want you to get this in your head, so think of it this way. Put it in your notes. Everyone's like, I want to read God's mind. I want to know the future. If you want to read God's mind, you need to read his book. <laughs> when I, every year to start the year, I take out my prayer journal. I basically kind of like, just every day, just kind of write, like, what's God teaching me? Where do I see him moving? What jumps out at me as I'm reading the Bible? And I look back this year as I was flying home, and I was shocked by how many times in 2017 there was a verse that, like, just leapt off the pages of the Bible or, or a phrase that was just like God like confirming, Tim, this is the way for you to walk in it. Oh, no, no, don't do that yet. There's not, that, the timing isn't right for that. Why? Because the Bible is an ordinary book. It's a living book. It is the Spirit of God. It's how he speaks to his children today. So if you want to read God's mind, you need to read his word. It's the number one way you'll come to recognize the voice of Jesus in your life. Prayer is the second way. In prayer, we actually speak back to God in a conversation. He actually wants to hear our heart and our thoughts. A third way is through the wise counsel of friends. Do you have other believers in your life who are mature, who are following God, who can speak into your life? Maybe it's people in your small group. God will at times speak through a dream or a vision. Today I find that's typically a little bit more rare than in the time of Paul. Or he'll give a powerful impression about what he wants you to do. I had that experience myself. I had a powerful impression from God when I was deciding my senior year of high school which college to attend. I will never forget this because I had, uh, I had a bunch of scholarships to schools in New Jersey, so I was going to say local. I was like, hey, man, they're paying for it. I'll go there, you know? There's another one in Boston that gave me a scholarship. I was like, or I'll go up, you know, Boston, but it's really cold. And so I started praying about it. My parents praying about it, and I will never forget the morning that I woke up. Like, like you ever have those moments where you wake up and you're like, I am completely awake, and I don't know what I just dreamed. Was that real? Like, is that happening right now? You ever have that? I woke up one morning with this overwhelming impression that I was supposed to attend Wheaton College out in Chicago. And I had only visited there one time and it was freezing cold. And I was like, no thanks. But I just woke up, I had this like heavy divine impression, this overwhelming sense I was supposed to go there. So I did. I am, <laughs> I look back, I am so glad I did. Wheaton is actually where I met my wife, Colleen, and because it's a Christian liberal arts school, you have to take all these Bible and theology classes which at the time I was like, oh, for heaven's sakes, how am I ever gonna use that? <laughs> kinda, kinda handy now, yeah? <laughs> I, would, I'm a, I wouldn't be a pastor today if it wasn't for my Wheaton education. I wouldn't have met my wife, I wouldn't have my marriage, I wouldn't have my family, I wouldn't have my kids. It was a key decision I was praying about and others were who loved me and God ordered that step for me and he confirmed it through a powerful impression that I then shared with family, with friends to get their wise counsel and they confirmed, they said, Tim, I know it's cold but we can see you flourishing there and the rest is history. So you understand, Jesus still speaks today, amen? amen? He still speaks to his people. He has specific words for you. He has directions. He has things he wants to tell you about key decisions in your life and your future. But understand, if you want to read God's mind, you got to read his word. That's how you learn the sound of his voice. That's how you can tell, like, is it your thought or is it an idea you read about or is that like God? You ever have that? You ever wonder that? Like, is that my idea? <laughs> or is God speaking that? Or is it the bad sushi I ate last night, you know? 
God, Paul hears God's call to go in this divine direction to Macedonia, and he concludes, you know what? If Jesus is leading, they need help, I'm there. And he hopped on a ship. It says, from Troas, we put out to sea, we sailed straight for Samothrace, that's an island. You can visit all these today. And the next day, we went to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to what? Philippi, does that sound familiar? (laughs) Philippians, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia. A lot happened when they got on the shore of Macedonia. Remember that mystery man in Macedonia? Come, help us. Well, first it turns out the mystery man was actually a woman. (laughs) A woman named Lydia. We don't have time to read about it, but she was a wealthy merchant. She was an influential businesswoman. And Paul's like, I was sent here to share the good news of Jesus. And she's like, who is Jesus? We've never heard that name. And Lydia puts her faith in Jesus. Her whole family gets baptized. And that woman became the first European Christian mentioned in the Bible. Suddenly, the gospel took root on a whole new continent. See, if you're willing to go in God's divine direction, you will find yourself in the most surprising places that will have a bigger impact than anything you could have planned yourself. Amen? From there, Paul planted several new churches in Macedonian cities. You know the names of them. Philippi, Thessalonica, and down here, Corinth. That's about half the New Testament. First and Second Corinthians, First and Second Thessalonians, Philippians. He wrote five of his letters to those churches, the New Testament you hold in your hands. What's the point? God does big things through small steps of obedience. The history of the world and the church changed forever because one man was willing to follow God's call in his life. In his commentary on Acts 16, John Stott, the theologian, says this, with the benefit of hindsight, knowing that Europe became the first Christian continent, we can see what an epoch-making event this was. From Europe, watch, the gospel fanned out to Africa, Asia, North America, Latin America, Oceania, and so reached the ends of the earth. You want to have a big impact? God does big things through small steps of obedience. God uses both no's and yeses to get you where you're going and to use your life for his glory and his global plan of salvation. Is that not encouraging? So I'm going to ask you a question now to take with you. It's going to be annoying to you. I like to annoy you with questions. Here's my question. I want you to chew on this today. I want you to chew on it on your drive home. I want you to pray about it Monday morning. What small step is God prompting you to take in 2018? What small step is God even nudging you today about? Is there a no or a not now in your life that God is inviting you to change your perspective on today? To realize, you know what, this isn't negative. This is not, what I thought was rejection is actually the Holy Spirit redirection, rerouting my life according to his perfect will. Is there a closed door maybe in your life that you've been trying to push through, right? You're doing your best Chris Farley. I ran my way through, you know? And God's like, you know what the the most holy thing you could do is just stop banging on it. And instead, trust me. Trust that whatever is behind that door isn't for you. I'm your father in heaven. I have plans for your life to bless you, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. I have something better in mind. Let it go. Or is there an open door that God's been inviting you to step through and you need to obey like Paul did immediately? 
Because the way to start any year, guys, before you set any goal or key decision for your life, you need to focus on the who before the do. You need to open your heart to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I can make my plans, but more than my plans, would you order my steps? Because your plans are greater than my plans. You love me. You have my best in mind. And if I follow you faithfully, I know my life will have purpose and impact. Because when you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, God does big things through small steps. That's how I want to encourage you to start this year, friends. Open God's word and then open your heart. And ask the spirit of Jesus to speak to you. Jesus is alive today. We believe that. His spirit lives in Christians, actually guiding, directing. Maybe you're just taking the first steps back to church in the new year. Man, recommit your life to Christ. Surrender your life. Say, don't just come in and cleanse my heart. Fill me with your spirit. I want to go your way, Lord, this year. I don't want to waste another day. And I know, look, guys, I know, I just know it. I know he's speaking to some of you right now. I was writing this message, and I was like, I had to back away. I was like, I know that the Holy Spirit is going to speak directly to some people today. It's like he's putting a finger on a situation in your life. And this is an invitation from him to you. Before you make your plans in 2018, would you ask me to order your steps? Would you commit this year to following the Spirit of Jesus wherever he leads? And take your next step in God's divine direction because you never know where he will lead you next. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayer. It's a time to respond to God in prayer when we hear from his word. That's him speaking to us. Now we want to talk back to him in prayer. Father, as we clear room right now, I'm praying for your children. God, we're here today not because we deserve it or because we earned our way, but because of your grace. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from our sin and gives us spiritual antenna to hear your spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking. Thank you for talking so crystal clear even to me this week. And Lord, we just right now open our hearts. We say, Jesus, we're open. If you're a follower of Christ, you could just say, Spirit of Jesus, I commit my life to you. I commit 2018 to you. I'll follow you wherever you lead. Order my steps this year, Lord. Not what I will, but what you want. And if you're not a follower of Christ, what a great time again to just open your heart. Say, God, come in. That was the message that Paul set the world on fire with. It was a message of this poor carpenter who was nailed to a Roman cross and then was raised to life by the power of God. And now says, anyone who believes on my name, you have the, the right to become sons and daughters of God. So that's an invitation to you if you've never heard that message of Jesus. You can make him your savior today. You might pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I, I need someone to guide me. God, I want you in my life. I've been apart from you too long. I've made mistakes. But God, you can reroute me now in a new direction. So I open my heart. I invite you to come in. Cleanse my sins. Forgive me for the mistakes I've made. I believe you died on the cross. You were raised to life. Would you fill me with your spirit so that I can hear your voice and follow you? I give my life to you. Father, I pray right now the prayers that are going up all across New Jersey, God, I pray the world wouldn't be the same because of the decisions we're making today that they'll ripple out into eternity and bring you maximum glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, amen, amen. amen. Guys, I'd want to invite you to stand together. Would you do that? We're going to stand.
And one of the things we do, we pray after we hear God's word. We're offering our heart to his. And then we worship. We respond back. So let this be when you sing. Don't just sing the words. But when we're singing, lead me, make it a prayer. Lord, lead me. Lead me. There's one of these pins up here that had your name on it. Ask the Lord to lead you, to reveal his will, and give you strength to follow. Worship the Lord together.